0: You have to feel this is their year. They
1: must be playing defensive. Michael's not coming up for this one. Thinks he's done enough? Hello and welcome back to the United Community Podcast. This is episode number two of the 2022-2023 Premier League season. And already, I don't really want to do this anymore. And it's all down to Manchester United and how poor they are. Um, Look, we have plenty to talk about again tonight. Obviously, the main topics is going to be Manchester United. And how they've been, you know, letting their fans down, letting their club down again. So plenty to talk about in relation to Manchester United. Is the goalkeeper good enough? Are British players to blame? How much help does Ten Hag need? Potential cancellation for Cristiano Ronaldo. We're also going to talk about Arsenal and the fact that Gabriel Jesus is off the mark. We had a cracking game between Chelsea and Spurs. So we have plenty to talk about with that as well. De Bruyne we're going to talk about, and is he maybe one of the best players ever to play in the Premier League? And then we're also going to talk about Villa versus Everton. And how Steven Gerrard and Frank Lampard went head-to-head And of course we'll get into our Fantasy Premier League review later in the show um, And we'll try maybe take some calls If anyone does want to call in later in the show um, We can certainly do that as well But uh, again, I just want to introduce everyone to my guest today And he's back again um, And we were delighted to have him on last week for the first one And he's on again today uh, Ricey, good to see you man How are you getting on?
0: Well Jack, how are you? All good?
1: All good, all good
0: Good on my end, not on yours, is it?
1: Well, it's yeah, that's what I'm, I was just going to say. It's been, a, it's been an absolutely atrocious weekend for uh, United and United fans in general. What did you make of the, the weekend in general in relation to, in relation to fixtures and, and, and games?
0: Yeah, well, look, there was some up and down games in the Premier League, wasn't there? Obviously, sure the, your big talking point here now is Man United and where do they really go from here? Like yeah, just kind of as you think. Well, I won't say as you think things can't get any worse. Like new manager, few new players, new season, you're hoping for the best and suddenly you're after making your worst start in the Premier League in over a hundred years.
1: Yeah, and bottom of the table.
0: Bottom of the table. Haven't even scored a goal. Well, technically have scored a goal, known goal, but well, it's not going to get any easier Liverpool this
1: day week, isn't it? Liverpool this day week, yeah, Monday night football next week. Um, so, yeah, I mean, look, we'll get into it. Before we do, anyone who's listening, I really appreciate it. Please hit a like on the podcast as well. And anyone who's listening back, maybe, obviously, we're live at the moment on the Podbean app. But if you're listening back on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to your podcast, please give us a like, a follow, and a five-star review. But I suppose let's get into it straight away, Ricey, And Obviously, the main talking point is Manchester United and how bad they are. What did you make in general of their performance uh, on Saturday uh,
0: sure I don't even I I don't even think there's any real positives you can take from the matches they're like managers exper- expressions on the sideline his kind of interview after the match it just kind of says it all he's trying to be as positive as he can and look he is building I wouldn't be of Any opinion of saying that like he's not the right man for the job or anything, you know, these things do need time and it is going to be a project. But I just think the amount of work that you have to do at United is like a lot bigger than anybody has even thought, you know, like I don't know, just like off the bat, like he could potentially get rid of a lot of players, you know, but there's like where would it stop? Really? You know, in my opinion, I don't know why he said, Dean Henderson, why was he sent out on loan, not sold for $25 Like, what was the idea behind the loan?
1: I think, well, the only real explanation I can give for players going out on loan, especially for Manchester United, is the fact that we've given them unbelievable wages and foolish wages over the last maybe 10 years in the kind of Ed Woodward era. And... Clubs that come in and want to sign these players for Manchester United can't afford to pay them anywhere close to the wages they're getting at United. So for that reason, I mean, any player, you you know, players are completely different these days. They're going to stay put. They're going to, like if Dean Henderson is the second best backup goalkeeper, or sorry, he's the highest paid backup goalkeeper in the world. I I think he's on 160 grand at Manchester United, which is just crazy. So there's no team can afford to give him that money you know and the majority of players are just going to dig their heels in see out their contract continue to collect the check and then if they do go on a free after two or three years they get a massive signing on bonus at the end of the day you yeah. know
0: like i don't think it's a case of that i don't think he like no one sees a future for him or anything at united do they? like there's no talks of him actually coming Well back it's,
1: and, i mean like the first him point himself. Yeah, and the first point I did want to get onto was in relation to the goalkeeper and David De Gea. And look, like, obviously, you know, given the weekend that Manchester United had and the weekend that Henderson did have with with Nottingham Forest saving the penalty at a very good game, there's always going to be, there's always going to be, I suppose, comparisons instantly, you know, should we have let Dean Henderson go and stuff like that. I think maybe it was the right call to actually let him out, you know, on loan. Will we ever get him back playing as the number one? I don't know. He did burn a lot of bridges with uh with Manchester United and a lot of fans when he did come out with the comments a couple of weeks ago, basically Slayton United. But like in relation to the goalkeeping situation, obviously David De Gea had a massive part to play in Manchester United's shortcomings on the weekend. You know, he was at fault for at least the first two goals. You know, I think the first one was just criminal, letting the ball in under his under his hands. You know, and the second one, playing the ball out to, to Christian Eriksen like that, no under, I mean, and I know Ten Hag wants to play this this passing game out from the back, which a lot of the top teams do. You see the likes of Liverpool doing it and and well, I suppose Man City more so than Liverpool. But I mean, like someone with David De Gea's experience and and the amount of games he's played. Surely he can see... Well, Christian Eriksen is being closed down very quickly here. I shouldn't give it to him. I can go along, you know. Um, so I think it's his, it's his decision-making more so than anything else. His, his shot stopping, he's probably up there with one of the best in the world over the last 10 years in terms of his shot stopping. But his presence in command in his box, coming out for corn or coming out for crosses, I don't think is good. And we know the shortcomings he has with the ball at his feet. So I just don't know if he's going to be the long-term solution. And I think once Ten Hag now... I was going to say, once Ten Hag gets other areas sorted, there's a lot of areas to get sorted. And I don't think the goalkeeping situation is, you know, our first priority, really. But I certainly do think down the line that Ten Hag will be looking to, to improve the goalkeeping situation. What do you think yourself?
0: Yeah, look, a good... A thing about the goalkeeper, anyways, the goalkeeper has a good attitude. He wants to be there. He wants the club to succeed. He, you know, this has clearly hurt him. He was clearly upset after the game, you know. I don't... Personally think these lads that are on two, three hundred grand a week, everyone makes mistakes, but the guy has made a few high error blunders now over the last few years and there was a year or two there where people are like, Oh, he'll get back to his best and you give him a lot of time. He was very loyal to you, but you've also been very loyal to him. But that first goal was absolutely criminal. Like he whatever way I was just looking at, it. I'm not a goalie now, and it, look it's very easy blame a keeper. Um, you even see that playing junior football yourself. Like it's a tough time for keepers in the goals but he kind of dived and didn't have his body behind he tried to like it was like he tried to catch it in a real weird way with not his body behind the ball and it just squirmed through you know like
1: yeah like i what what i said live when i was doing the watch along um on the on the youtube channel go on subscribe by the way anyone who's listening um so when i was when i was watching it live i was nearly expecting him to take a first touch like he, like he literally could have took a first touch on it, it there wasn't you know, it was it was that weak of a shot. Um, He just didn't start his body. And I know exactly what you're saying. Get down on the ground. Basically lie on the ground and just scoop the ball into your chest more so than going down with your fingertips. Yeah, you even if he
0: was kind of, say, diving across and having his chest behind it. But look, as I said, it's easy for people that aren't in the goalie to criticise it. It's a very lonely place, I'd say. But then again, he is at one of the biggest clubs in the world and this is the responsibility you take on. It really set a kind of precedence for the game, you know, because you can have this game plan and all this and then, bam, out and over, this just happens. But then the second goal was equally as bad. Am I right in saying, did did your centre half, Martinez, take the goal kick?
1: He, he took all of the goal kicks on... Right. On uh, well, for, especially for the first half, I was noticing that as well, and I couldn't figure it out I because he was taking the goal kicks, but all he was doing was passing in three yards to the right yeah. to David de Gea. I couldn't. Allowing... I couldn't understand it. And then, well, I think the only sense that I could make out of that was that when he was when he was doing that, him and Harry Maguire then were spreading themselves wider, maybe out to the edge of the, of the box. But I, I don't see the point in it. I don't see why them two centre-backs couldn't have started on the edge of the box, you know, at the end line, say, on, on, on where where the end line meets the edge of the box. And just let De Gea just pass it to him from there. It just didn't make sense to me.
0: Yeah, and then De Gea, look, he kind of stung Christian Eriksen there, you know what I mean? Eriksen was, I know a lot of people weren't shown for it, but Eriksen just kind of got stung and...
1: Well, yeah. what I thought there with Ericsson was, and, and it goes back to what I was saying there about, you know, David De Gea having to make up his own mind when he sees Christian Ericsson is being closed down. And when, when the goal went in, Ericsson threw his hands up in the air and basically turned to De Gea and said, why did you give me that ball? He wasn't looking for the ball. He was creating space in behind him. He was coming towards De Gea to create space behind him. And you could see Ronaldo made a, made a kind of a half-cross-field run into the space that Christian Eriksen made, and that's why he came towards the Hay. He actually wasn't looking for the ball, in in my opinion. Oh, yeah,
0: he's trying, he he's trying a... to pull players with him just to create this.
1: Yeah, win. exactly, exactly. So look, that that's why I'm, <clears throat> that's why that's what I'm saying about the Hay. And look, I have I I I in absolutely no way have an agenda against the Hay or anything like that. I just think. I just think there's too many areas of his game that a modern goalkeeper needs to have that he just doesn't have. You know, he doesn't command his box well enough. He's not overly good with the ball at his feet. He's He, he tends to be very weak under a cross, you know. So, I just think for that reason alone, I don't think he's going to be the long-term solution for United, really. Um, As you say, but you know, I, I think it's the
0: number one priority at the minute, you know. There was plenty of other flaws in the team there on that day. Even the goal to go 3-0 up, they had... Whipped in a corner. I see Ivan Tony headed it back across the box. And it looked now to me the player that was kind of picking up and running after Ivan Tony was Christian Eriksson. But he headed it back across the box. And that centre half, Ben Mee, uh, got up and nodded it in. It was a great header back across. But again, Martinez looked absolutely. He came out off the line. And Ben Mee, when he jumped, just kind of like it was like he brushed him off. Like, I don't. I don't really get this signing of your man Martinez, like 5'9, centre half, 60 million after coming from the the Eredivisa. I personally didn't hear him before, but that's not to say that others didn't and he's not a cracking player, but a centre half in the Premier League. A lot of big strikers in that Premier League.
1: Yeah, and look, I said it obviously, you know, in hindsight now, you, you can say, all right. You know, maybe he get it wrong, but again, look, there's a lot of games to play. So I'm not going to judge him right away. Uh, but yeah, I know. Like, but we're
0: just he, talking about the game.
1: Of like course, yeah. Poor. Uh, yeah, absolutely. He was poor. Um, is he the long term option at centre back? I don't know. There's a lot of people and a lot of maybe fans that I've interacted across the social media platforms when we were linked with him and, and eventually got him. That said, no, he's he he'll, he'll play as a CDM more than anything else now if he is going to be playing as a CDM then we need to go out and buy another center back because we're just not good enough but getting on to you know other areas of the pitch that do i suppose or that were um weak i mean i don't but, like uh, very i don't like yeah i don't like singling out say players of nationality but i i i just think it's 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 a, it just fell as a consequence that a lot of English or British players, more so, because I'm going to include McTominay in this, are just atrocious at the moment. And the four that I would go and and go out and say would be Maguire, Luke Shaw, Scott McTominay, and Rashford have just been absolutely atrocious. And not only in the last in the first two games of this season, but this has gone on now for close to eighteen months. You know, and I don't know, like Manchester United. You know, a lot of the focus tends to fall on Cristiano Ronaldo and things like that. And it's always going to because he's, you know, this global megastar. But you know, I think there's there I think there's I think there's an awful lot more that Manchester United have to do in terms of recruitment, in terms of getting players out, moving them on. Uh, I think I think Ralph Ranick was right back in March that he said United could potentially need ten new players because yeah, we're certainly showing it with the performances this season.
0: I a hundred percent agree with you on some of them points, but it was it's like it's like Manchester United sometimes going a bit of a merry-go-round. A player's playing bad, they drop him. They bring in the reserve for that area. Say, for instance, Wan-Bissaka and Dallow. Wambasaka had a poor season last season. Everyone's crying out, "Get Diallo into the team." Dalo has a handful of good games, if even a handful. Then starts, <clears throat> excuse me, starts to play poor, and then they're like get wan back in. He's much better. He can actually defend. But it was only five, three, four months ago that people were saying, get wan out of this club, you know?
1: Yeah, I know. And
0: <clears throat> it's kind of like a merry-go-round. It was the same with Shaw as well, swapping out with a few left fulls. And it's kind of once they come out with the limelight, people, realize, kind of people almost forget that they were slaying him and bring him back in. But it's just get rid of some of these lads out of the club full stop.
1: Yeah, well, the players... excuse me, the players that I kind of mentioned there are the ones that me specifically I would say have consistently been poor over the last three years. Now, I know obviously Harry Maguire, you know, came in and he's captain. He had had a good season, not last season, the season before. He had a half-decent season. I'm not going to say good. Luke Shaw has had two spells where he was good one was under louis van hal where he he was playing well for a couple of months before he broke his leg and he had a spell under ollie earlier on um under ollie's tenure where he played quite well again for a couple of months but he, luke shaw has been at manchester united for eight years now yeah. and he's been consistently poor it, it, this is again this is just my opinion i think he's been consistently poor i think I have to say I think a lot of the English players do get a pass when it comes to criticism uh, especially from the media you know and a lot of players like to put blame on you know <clears throat> Fred got an awful going over when he had a bad season and you know obviously Cristiano Ronaldo is getting a lot of heat in the in the press and things like that as well but you know I think the homegrown players that I mentioned there I mean Scott McTominay, I just can't get over how that man is still playing for Manchester United and then we have reports this morning suggesting that Manchester United are actually open to selling James Garner for as little as 15 million you know I, I just can't understand what what we're doing okay you know I, I do trust the manager in terms of what he wants to do and his vision and he obviously knows a lot more than we do we're just commentating on games and what, what we see <laughs> but, but like James Garner hasn't even got a chance really he hasn't even Basically. got a chance and if he can't if he's not better than Scott McTominay, you know, then why aren't we selling Scott McTominay as well?
0: Yeah, what age is Garner?
1: 22, 21.
0: But, and I'm just wondering, what, why are you saying as little as 15 million?
1: That That's what was been reported today. So, yeah. what, wait, what price would you
0: put on his head? What has he done bar a few? Oh, yeah, businesses? no,
1: I'm, now look, I'm not saying, well, I'm just kind of saying that if, if a player like that was been recruited by Manchester United, there's no way we would get him for 15 million. You know, you'd be looking at probably double that, 30 million easily, even though he hasn't played in the Premiership, basically. He had a very good season with Nottingham Forest last year in terms of their promotion push. But I, I just, I, regardless of how much he's worth and how much he could go for, my point here is that... <clears throat> If he's looking at the likes of Scott McTominay and Fred playing ahead of him, then maybe he's the one that's pushing for a move. If he's going, these lads are consistently playing bad for the last 12 months. I was trying out on loan last year when I was 20 years of age. I'm coming into, you know, the years where I should be breaking into the first team squad. But these lads are consistently putting in poor performances, but yet they still get picked. And that's what I can't understand.
0: Yeah, it was... The harmony and all in the club is probably very poor. I mean, I was reading... Just say we said that about Henderson earlier on, had a pop-off, and then I seen when Telez moved to Sevilla, he said he was delighted, he was jumping at the opportunity, the minute he heard of it, he was, he didn't say in as many words he was mad to get out, but he kind of said it and, you know,
1: yeah,
0: kind of made that almost be known, that the minute the offer came in, he wanted to go straight away, so it's... Yeah.
1: But I think it's rotten to the core. I see. I think it's from, and obviously, look, you know, the the glazer out movement is starting to pick up a lot of steam again, and and I'm you know I'm I'm well behind it. I'm all for it. I do think we need changes at the club, but it's rotten from the core. You know, out like we obviously, like I thought. I in fairness, I, th- I thought what Gary Neville said, um, was quite. I, I think he hit the nail on the head pretty much where he said. You know, if any business in the world was failing and the owners didn't show up and put all of the blame on their employees, you know, you just don't see that anywhere else. And that's basically what the Glazers are doing. You know, now, obviously, look, a lot of the the decisions that have been made there over the last maybe 10 to 15 years in relation to the Glazers and who who they have appointed, they do have to take majority of, you know, of the fall for that. Obviously, they can't control players on the pitch. You know, and performances on the pitch, but they can certainly put the infrastructure in place to give players the best opportunity to go out and play well and improve. And over
0: over the years since Ferguson left, um, Bar Moyes, maybe I don't know what people thought of him. Did they make any appointment of a as of a manager that you were like, why the hell are we appointing him?
1: No, at the time. I think, and I think it's kind of a catch-22 with Manchester United fans because the majority of managers we've had, it's been negative, you know, and I don't mean negative in terms of the way they play or anything like that, but in terms of results, and look, of course, Manchester United fans are so used to the Ferguson days of, you know, dominating for 20 years, and and that was great, but it was never going to last. But I think when the new manager then was appointed on the back of a string of Poor performances by the previous manager, fans are bound to get excited. Like when, when Moyes came in after Ferguson, he was the longest-serving manager in the Premier League after Ferguson. He was like obviously with with um, Everton for like ten years, so he was the longest-serving manager. So I think that was probably the reason why they appointed him and gave him a seven-year contract It was because of that longevity. Yeah. Um, when Van Hal was appointed, it was more so oh, we're getting this guy who's who's done it throughout Europe with the likes of Barcelona. He's and done and it all. It's and... a big
0: name, plays nice football. Like you were yeah, it... getting him.
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely delighted. And then, obviously, subsequently, that didn't work. And then Mourinho, the serial winner, comes in, and we're saying, brilliant. Here he comes, right, his best days may be behind him, but he he knows how to win, and he will get us winning trophies. And in fairness to him, he did. And I think subsequently, since Mourinho has left, a lot of the things that he said before he left in relation to how the club was run and maybe the support he wasn't getting, I think a lot, like a lot of his comments, have aged very well in relation to Mourinho. But it did get sour at the end, and people were kind of annoyed. United fans were annoyed of the, the maybe the negativity, and then we went to the 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 past player you know the the golden boy of manchester united yeah but and it was ollie originally, had that moment.
0: it was originally six months he'd done well the fans then got behind him they wanted him he was doing poorly then they kind of got by him and backed him again the only point i'm putting across is that when he needed or wanted a new manager they got someone that pleased the fans and that would have appeared to kind of like fit the jigsaw fit the puzzle they have financially backed you, you, mightn't have had the best recruitment. I don't know who's over that side of things. But, are their I'm days. Honest, they want... Let
1: me just stop you right there. Let me just stop you yeah, right there. Yeah. yeah. Okay. They have not financially backed us, the Glazers. They haven't. They've never put any of their own money into the club. Yeah, they've, no. They've, ta- they've taken money that the club has generated to buy players. Yeah. Which, which ideally You would like That reinvested Back into the club In relation to Improving the stadium You know The infrastructure The training ground All of that kind of stuff yeah, Sorry you know,
0: uh, That's my bad there I just meant Funds were made available For transfers yeah. but not necessarily saying It came yeah. out of their pocket But I'm just saying it's united were never really stuck for a few bob you know they went on no, no, and they, they splash, never will be they splash massive wages you went out you signed alexis sanchez for three hundred and fifty thousand a week john this is things other clubs can only dream of i know in the background it's might be dull but on the front they're trying to put on the front of glitz and glamour you know it's just yeah it's just the way it is in my opinion i just have something here in front of me that um I know you can't sell everyone and uh, the manager last year said you could potentially sell up to 10 and bring in 10 new. But the kind of line has to stop somewhere where you might say, like, right, look, we're going to write off two seasons and we're going to get rid of lads and bring in lads and just see where it goes because this thing of Whatever they're doing at the minute is not working. But even there's plenty of players that could go. Say Henderson, I know he's on loan, but that's another year of his contract run down where it'll reduce his value. Wambasaka, if he's not playing, get rid of him. That low, in my opinion, isn't good enough for United. In my opinion only. Uh, Rashford seems to want out. You're looking for 120 million. I think 60 would be tops that you will get from Fred McTominy Bailey. If he could get rid of the likes of these players, raise funds, they're all probably on a hundred grand plus a week. But it kind of appears to me, just from the offset of United, that United almost don't seem like they're capable of doing more than one deal at once. This whole summer has just been about Frankie Deon. And you've got in when things have died down, you got in um Martin is there, and who else came in, Jack? Uh,
1: so we got in Malicey at the Malisea, left back, and then Christian Eriksen.
0: Christian Eriksen, you know, but it's like there's other clubs doing multiple deals there at once. It's like everything is so focused. Like the kind of summer will be a disaster, you'd say to yourself if Frankie doesn't sign, wanted.
1: Yeah, I think I think it does hinge around. Not not. I don't mean hinge around. You know, the whole transfer window hinges around his signing. Obviously, he's, he's by far the highest quality player that we're in for throughout the summer. Yeah. But I think Ten Hag is so adamant on rebuilding Manchester United and the team around him. And the fact that we've been after him for, I think it's close to 15 weeks now, that it's going to be very, very embarrassing if we don't get him. Yeah, yeah. You know, and now look, you know... <laughs> Manchester United and I do agree with you. I, I really do have to say I agree with you there in relation to the you know the fact that we can't be doing multiple deals at once. And I don't know wh- how the structure is in relation to recruitment. You know, John Marta came out and met with fans and done all of that. Or sorry, Richard Arnold uh, and and you know basically came out and said I'm not going to be doing the the recruiting or the you know the, because he didn't want to be seen similarly to Ed Woodward because basically Ed Woodward you know, was negotiating for players when he's, he's a businessman. He's not a football man. And Richard Arnold came out and said that when he met fans in a pub, but we hear this week that he's been in Turin to negotiate with, with uh, Rabio's agent. Oh, and there life. was pictures. Yeah. His mother, and there's been, there was pictures of him uh, multiple occasions in Barcelona trying to get the Frankie de Jong deal over the line. So he's basically been talking through his arse in relation to what he said to to fans You know, so I don't know what's going on in the background. You know, you would be thinking the club of Manchester United and the size that they have and the money that they have, that they can do more than one deal at the same time. But
0: Rashford, just kind of like by the looks of Twitter, kind of gave the first indication that he would actually almost consider leaving United. Now, that didn't come from his mouth, but you know, just from multiple sources where you're reading.
1: Yeah, well, look, I would say one thing about Rashford, and I said it before the start of the season, before a ball was kicked, that he has this season left to prove himself. And if he doesn't, then he's going to... Not that Manchester United fans are going to turn on him, you know, but they're going to say, well, look, maybe it's time that you do go. Um, And a lot, of, a lot of the talk was that Rashford was going to... He was only maybe angling for a new contract at Manchester United. And a lot of players do this. You know, they get their representatives to come out and say, you know... There's links here with with uh, PSG or whoever it is, and then United panic and offer him a new deal. You know, now I think that's absolute bullshit to be honest with you, because the reason why any player should get a new deal is because they're playing well. But Manchester United are very commercial, and it's again this goes back to the Glazers where they see players not more so as to get them results on the pitch, but to get them money in their pockets and use them as assets to sell shirts. You know to to get sponsorship deals. And I think Marcus Rashford has a massive draw when it comes to that in relation to, you know, the charity work that he's doing and all of that kind of stuff as well, you know. So I think I can't see it happening. I really can't see it happening. But I just hope that United don't fall for the trick of offering him a new deal while he's playing the way he's playing, if that makes sense. Yeah,
0: the kids will go hungry. But just yeah. briefly back to the match, Jack. I know United were very poor, but there has to be credit given too, to Brentford. Brentford came out with a game plan by the Luxford. Their manager spoke about it. He said they didn't want to let United settle. They basically wanted to just run amok, chase everything down, uh, put pressure on United, make United make the mistakes. And it kind of happened almost for most of the goals.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And like, i i i thought I thought going into the game, like obviously I had my United hat on when I was doing my score predictions, and I went two one to United. But I mean, deep down, I was thinking this is going to be a very tough day on the on the back of a performance that we had against Brighton, um, and you could see it, you know, and it, it was nearly the first. 20 minutes or so was nearly a carving copy of the Brighton game. Manchester United actually started quite well. They were on top. They had a lot of possession. They had a couple of chances. Bruno Fernandes blazed one over the bar. It was basically identical to the start yeah. of the Brighton game. And then what happens? The opposition team settles down. They start getting their shape back. They get onto the ball a little bit. And Manchester United do what they always do then. They panic and they hit the reset button. Well, it was, you know,
0: very, it was very early doors in the game and um Maguire had the ball, he was carrying it out. Now, to be fair to Maguire, he didn't have a whole lot of options on. But again, Ericsson, who appeared to me it was like Ericsson was almost playing in the six on Sunday or on Saturday, and uh, Ericsson was dropping deep from again, looked to me as a decoy. Maguire gives him the ball, and he goes, loses the ball. Ericsson loses the ball, just kind of goes to dink one out over his right shoulder, out to the right winger, or a right full. Yeah. They win possession, come in, Maguire takes him down on the edge of the box. Yellow card after 15, 20 minutes. Nightmare. And then Maguire gets up throwing up the hand's asking, telling the ref he won the ball and all, even though he actually took down two Brentford players. Yeah. Brentford but I think had it in the doors. They had their game plan and they seen that it was working. You know, once they started kind of pressuring these players and I'd say a lot of United players... As high-profile as they are, they know they're getting scrutinized for everything they do. They're probably a bag of nerves out there.
1: Oh, yeah. It's, a, it's an absolute pressure cooker there. But it just goes to show the mentality that a lot of them players have. They're not able to deal with it. They're just not able to deal with it, you know. And even some of the, you know, the so-called top-tier players. Like Bruno Fernandes has been a shadow of himself the last 12 months. You know, had a great maybe 12, 18 months when he first came in. But he's just fell off the face of the planet, really, you know. And I think, I think a lot of that has to do with Cristiano Ronaldo coming in. I have to say, yeah. That well, Bruno look, Fernandez they, was the was the yeah. Bruno Fernandez was the main the man.
0: They did coincide together. That yeah, I man. Could but look, we'll leave Manchester United there for the minute. We might pop back to him. Will we move on? You have a pint here on Jesus. We'll just talk. Yeah. About so I know. Yeah, so you're You 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 kind of slated at arsenal a bit last week said you didn't really rate and you didn't rate their manager it's kind of they're looking sharp i know it's only 2 games in but they're kind of looking the complete opposite of manchester united at the minute
1: yeah i look i agree and i i i'm going to i'm going to keep my i'm going to keep my predictions on arsenal yeah. because look i mean historically um. Um. When I mean historically, I mean over the last maybe five or six years, what have Arsenal done? They've, you know, they've had spells where the where they've been absolutely world class, playing some lovely football, look really good. But at the end of the day, I still think they're quite flaky. I. 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 Now look. If I'm proved wrong, I'm proved wrong, and you know this may be a turning point for Arsenal. You know, if the manager is changing the mentality for them, and if they're if they're eventually going to get over the line, and not over the line in relation to you know challenging for league titles, right? Because I still think they're miles away from that. I'm just still not convinced by him. Look, I think they do have some good quality in their team. Uh, obviously, you know. Gabriel Jesus took all of the plaudits on on the weekend. Two goals and two assists. I think he was involved in every Arsenal goal. And I'm just, uh, my opinion is solely based over a 38 game season. Can they consistently oh. do it over 38 games? I don't think they can. I think their manager can lose his head a little bit too much. I've been watching that um, Amazon All or Nothing documentary of Arsenal, and I just, I don't know, I, I think some of the stuff he does is, is laughable it is is laughable but
0: look it's just different management styles and i think after watching the all or nothing all or nothing i've kind of grown a small a soft spot for arsenal now as i'd say a lot of people would have i think they've made a few decent signings during the summer i think the manager's heart is in the right place and he wants him going the right direction he has his kind of plan and tactics and he's sticking to it like i watched the arsenal game and Jesus not only could have had three in the first half, he could have had four. He did take all the plaudits, but you have to say this Martinelli is stepping up. It's only two games into the season, but he started the season well. He started yes. well. Even Shaka there playing. I think Shaka. I know they play very different roles, but kind of similar... Enough situation over the past few years to where Maguire is now. He was captain. I know Maguire doesn't argue with the fans. Maguire's kind of very feeble, you know, he's not going that kind of person. So, is very outspoken, but they took the captaincy off Shaka. And it's almost like that small weight was lifted and he can enjoy his football more without the responsibility yeah. of being the captain, you know?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'm not saying yeah, he's
0: a world beater or anything now, but I'm just saying. I know we are only two games in, but I do think they look like they could push definitely for top four this season. I think. Oh you yeah, left I
1: think. I, yeah, I. I think I had him. I had him in sixth, but again, I had him in sixth because I wanted to put United ahead of him. But I look. I kind of. I had. I had my top three as, City, Liverpool, and Spurs, and then I. I was thinking then the other three obviously will be fighting it out for the top, I think, I certainly you know, do think Arsenal will be fighting for top four, will they get in the end we get on to Chelsea in a in a, in a bit I certainly do think they're a lot stronger than I first predicted yeah. Um. obviously we'll get on to them, in, you know, in a little bit, a couple of comments are after coming in here, just let me fly through them yeah. um, Irish lad says, do you think every team we play against will play the same tactics I re- that's in relation to United I don't see why they wouldn't, to be honest with you, I mean United and a lot of pundits are all saying it now United are the, probably the easiest team in the league to play against. Now, you know, I think any team that will come and play against United will fancy their chances, put some pressure on them early on, press them high up the field, force them into mistakes, and yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I, I'd be surprised if the majority of teams didn't play similar tactics. Um, and Irish lad says Arsenal look dangerous at the moment. Definitely think they'll get top four, uh, and then. Someone with a weird username says, "Very tame tonight, lads. Start slagging each other. <laughs> That's probably bash." I um, said, "Says took Sancho out my fantasy team and put Martinelli in. He's had a great start. He certainly has, absolutely." Um, so yeah, I mean, look, I mean, in relation to in relation to the top four, then I suppose the other big game of the weekend was Chelsea and Spurs. And what a game it was! I, I watched the majority of it now. And uh, look, I thought Chelsea were by far the better team They they basically dominated the game But a couple of controversial goals for Spurs But I suppose Spurs are starting to show a bit of that fighting mentality That historically they've been renowned for not having And I think that's maybe the Conte effect certainly that he's bringing into the, into the team What did you make of the game yourself?
0: Yeah, I actually watched the whole game there and Spurs got absolutely battered They did, yeah like an ass in that first half they like Conte then like they, they were very poor uh in the first half uh Chelsea were playing very very high up the pitch like if you actually look back over clips of that like ba- Coulibaly and even their wingbacks they weren't even playing on the halfway line they were playing on the edge of the center circle in the opposition's half you know what they were I couldn't believe how high up the pitch they were and um cooley what a strike for the first, you know?
1: Yeah. Like, what a I, a your dude. man I, Silva, centre-back for for Chelsea, just just seems to have the, I don't know, the, the the potion for life or something. He just doesn't seem to age. I mean, no, for, yeah. he must, he's, he's 38, 39 now, is he? Yeah,
0: 37 or 38
1: anyway, yeah. But, yeah, uh, and he's he, he looks, looks like it. a 28-year-old. He,
0: he does, he does. But I think definitely... I wouldn't be the personal fan's favourite of the player, but I think the absolute changing of the game was on the hour mark when they brought in Richardson. He kind yeah. a real bit of dirt about him. Do you know that bit of like, he annoys opponents, he gets stuck in, he puts himself about. And they actually moved from a three at the back to a four when they brought him on. And they went two up top. And I'd be personally a fan of two up top. Not every team can play the two wide wingers and the one up top like Liverpool can. But when this when they went two up top, the game completely changed. They yeah didn't get into it a lot more. They're pressing a lot more. Conte got all his subs right. I think he brought on. I Think three of his new signings were the three subs that came on. Yeah, that's Peris- right. Perisic came on. Richardson and who's the other boy? Um...
1: Uh, per- um, did he bring on Spence? No. No, he did not bring on Spence. He's, so, a, he's out in my fantasy anyway. That was a poor decision out of me well, putting Spence in my fantasy team. Uh, <laughs> but, no,
0: who was the but, other... Oh, he brought on Basuma there for half an hour. So.
1: Oh, Basuma. That was it. That's yeah, the, that was it. Well, I wanted to ask you, Ricey, in relation to that game. Obviously, there's a lot of talks surrounding the game itself and the fact that the referee seemed to let an awful lot go. And there seems to be this kind of, uh, I suppose... Now, oh, how do I say it? It seems to be put out by the FA nearly that they're, that they're going to maybe give referees the opportunity to let a lot more go, you know, for tackles to start coming back into the game and challenges and things like that. Um, what did you make of the referee last night? Now, obviously, you know, there was very controversial decisions in relation to goals. Um, me personally, I thought it was great to see some challenges flying back in and a bit of spice back in the game.
0: It was great to see, I wouldn't mind seeing that what happened after a match between the two managers, bit of passion. You don't want things going overboard, but like, it's great to see from a neutral point of view, but if you were Chelsea and on the losing end of that, and say, uh, like, there was, I don't know how to say your man's name, that lad they signed from Juventus the centre mid last year, not Kulevetsky, whatever that lad's name is, the other, Ben core or something. Mm-hmm.
1: Oh, and yeah, Bentecourt, yeah.
0: Bentecourt, him and that uh, Heiberg, they were profession, doing professional fouls all over the place. Then who was 17? Romero. Yeah. Grab the head of hair. Wig the head off your man. You know, in of the cu- box. Uh, like, I, know I know it's in his own box, but like the referee was had the best view of that. They actually reviewed that and said, no, they didn't think out of it. Like, he grabs his yeah. hair. <laughs> it and was disgraceful. It Absolutely. Disgraceful. Look, the other ones are tough when they're saying Richarlison is offside and he's in the keeper's line of sight. Them things aren't always black and white. I know it looks like he's in the line of sight, you know. And look, I think if they are going with that rule, that probably shouldn't have been a goal, you know. But
1: from yeah, it, and it, I think would I think
0: twice of the game.
1: Yeah, and I think the foul was too far behind. Remember, they were calling for a foul in the build-up to to Spurs' first goal.
0: Yeah, now I do and, think when Havertz got taken down that. I personally think that was a foul. As a defender, you're going to claim you got the ball all day, but I do. When you slow things down to the degree that the VAR slows things down, it can actually change your opinion on things. But you have to kind of go with like how things run in real life. Do you know, so yeah. I know a handball and all is different, but like nine, well, nine was... things out of a hundred that looked like a foul.
1: Yeah, and there was there was different angles that they were showing and a couple of angles it did look like a foul and a couple it looked like a really good challenge. No, I did see
0: did one angle where it looked like he got a toe to the wall. But yeah it was it like is. looking at it in real time and I was like, There's no way he got to that. The ball direction didn't even seem to change.
1: Yeah, but the one the one camera angle that it shows him where it looks like he wins the ball is actually the same line of sight that the referee has. You can actually see the referee yeah. in the frame. So I can't understand why he didn't give it. And he does point to the ball instantly the referee does when the challenge is made to say he got a touch on it, you know, but I'm, I'm, I'm delighted to see that back in the game. I have to say, you know, yeah. and a lot of this, I hopefully they're consistent with it now because a lot of the simulation that goes on and, you know, players throwing themselves to the ground, trying to buy free kicks and things like that. I think it's just a strain the game. I really. al- and
0: I also do think sometimes that you can kind of see in a player's reaction if they're being genuine. And I do think Havertz was being genuine that he got taken, you know? Your man kind of came in from behind him as well. I know he might have won the ball, but I thought the rule is, like, you can't tackle from behind. He's not going through him. He's kind of coming around him, but still coming from behind, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah. Look, uh, like, he's not coming
0: through, taking the legs from underneath him, but his leg is still coming from behind him to kind of scoop in around him to flick the ball.
1: Yeah, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Yeah.
0: Well, look, like, look, I,
1: I, look. As, as, as you said, that was very
0: far back. There was probably a yeah. good 60 seconds of play that led up. And I think Chelsea had even won the ball back. There was kind of a couple of errors along the way before the ball actually went in, you know?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, right, let's get on to Man City. And look, I we're not going to overly talk about the game an awful lot. I specifically want to talk about Kevin De Bruyne. He's been one of the the pointers I have here. And I just thought he was sensational on the weekend. And I've been kind of putting it out there to a lot of people I've been talking to online on the channel and stuff like that as well, you know, in relation to De Bruyne. And, you know, is he, like, is he world class? Is he up there with the best players in the world at the moment? I, I'd put him... I don't, think, up there. I don't think anybody would
0: say that he's not world class. I,
1: like,
0: I know he's not like he's. Still but is a,
1: he ba- is he is he Ballon d'Or contender kind of class at the moment?
0: Look, if you want to be Ballon d'Or contender, you have to win a good bit to go with it. You know, you really have to be trying anyway to put that Champions League with it. If they won the Champions League and if he had a good season, I don't see why he couldn't be. You know, it's it's all kind of down like. He pulls all the strings for Man City. It depends also how long he stays fit for. He is kind of prone to a couple of injuries. But if you actually seen like what he'd done, I think it was for Man City's second goal. Uh, he pulls out so far wide on the right-hand side, he like actually stretched the defense and made room for himself to run into it for when the ball was treaded into him. And he ran. Took the ball into the edge of the box and outside of the right boot into the bottom left corner.
1: Like yeah, and the, the um, way he the way he dropped the shoulder before yeah. he took the shot was just unbelievable because it just gave him that extra, maybe little inch that that opened up the goal for him. You know, I, I just think he's so silky smooth. It's unbelievable. I think he's probably going to be the difference. You know between. Man City and Liverpool this year The likes of him and Haaland Just linking up for the whole season Haaland there
0: again Like had eight touches I think he made He completed two passes Uh, One pass was tip-off And the other pass was the assist But even for the assist He took the ball in He was falling Held someone off And just kind of flicked the ball through You know Yeah Like I know there were A lot of people probably had him Captained in the fantasy But Again, look, they want to be beating Bournemouth comfortably, especially at home. Bournemouth wouldn't be expected to win that. I was actually impressed enough with Travers in the goal, the Irish guy. Yeah. Though he conceded four goals, he still pulled off numerous saves.
1: Yeah, look, absolutely.
0: Their squad depth is just sick, isn't it? Like, even oh, if Liverpool bench tonight, it's Liverpool have quality players, but their bench looks very light there. Like, if you look at that City bench that they had there the other day, it's absolutely sick.
1: Yeah, couple of comments here. Berkeley Horn says, nail, you hit the nail on the head, Ricey. I'm uh, not sure what that's in relation to. Um, I'm sure he's right though. Uh, and Irish lad says, "Surely Benzema will get the Ballon d'Or this year." Yeah, and look, that does go back to what you're saying, and I think you're, I think you're spot on with it, Ricey, Is the fact that you know you do need to be adding the Champions League really to the to the cabinet before. Well, not specifically before you're going to be in the frame for Ballon d'Or, I know it certainly like does help.
0: Kind of part and parcel of it, Do you know, that like you have to be kind of picking up on the major trophies. I know over the years, Messi and that haven't done it and they've still won it. But like again, they were on a different planet at the time. There's yeah, just but really- and you,
1: you look at even when, say, Luca Modric won it, he, he won it the year that they won one of their European Cups, you know, and you'd be saying to yourself, would he have ever got that? Now he probably shouldn't have got it anyway, but he probably would have never got it if they hadn't won the Champions League. Yeah. You know,
0: you know, um, there's
1: just another anyway. match
0: there that I want to kind of briefly talk about is the,
1: yeah.
0: is the Aston or is the Aston Villa
1: versus uh, Everton
0: versus Everton match, because I think this was kind of interesting in more ways than one personally. I think, that lampard could i in my opinion he must be favored to get the boot first this season he is that everton team if you go through that team from start to finish like that's a championship team even they signed that lad from burnley uh dwight mcneil doesn't even look like a footballer you know 20 or 25 million or something like they have that lad up top what's the Young lad Gordon isn't playing center forward. I see Chelsea actually bid 40 million or something 40 know? million.
1: Yeah, Hopefully. it was the, it was declined.
0: Jeez, I don't know why they're looking at that lad, you know. He has a face he'd love to smack. But um it, I just think that, <laughs> I just think Everton I don't know, like Lampard reverted. I see it, or not Lampard, Gerard uh reverted in from what he was doing in pre-season, he was kind of playing. The one up top or the two high wingers, and he's gone to two up top again after the loss on the first day. Mings was back in the team. Look, he got a good win, but um, I also think that if results weren't going his way, that he could also like be kind of feeling the pinch, you know.
1: Yeah, and some the statistics were showing there during the week that he uh, that he actually has the same, the same. Stats that Gary Neville had at Valencia when he got the sack in relation to wins, draws, and losses. Um, yeah,
0: Gerard, like Gerard's name alone, and kind of deservedly so, would pull a lot of weight. You know, like a lot of players in England would love to play for Gerard. A lot of players that have played with him before and would be kind of friendly with him. Like without Gerard, there's no way Villa would have got like the likes of Coutinho. Who's that centre mid? Did they sign for Marseille on a free transfer? i seen United were linked with him too. Camara. You know, um, there's like some of these guys, there's no way they would have got him. Even Digne was a good sign in there for him. And he's kind of piecing together a nice team. Um, But like, I hope it takes well from, there's a lot of Irish support. There's a lot of, Villa have a big Irish backing. And, and uh, yeah. I have a few friends, a good few friends that support Villa as well. I'd like to see him do good. I'd like to see Gerrard do good. But I just think he could be under pressure if, He doesn't start producing more consistent results. I'm not saying pushing for top six or anything, but you know they want to be well in that top half. I just think I I do think everything could go down this season.
1: Yeah, well, I suppose just as the United representative here on the United Community Podcast, I hope he. Does an awful job, Steven Gerrard. I hope he gets relegated. Um, but yeah, we just have to even it out here, really, don't we? But look, I certainly do think he has the, As much as it kills me to say, he does have the makings of a good manager. He knows what he wants, and he he demands an awful lot from his from his teams. You know, um, yeah, he's just he's Liverpool and Rangers, so it doesn't get any worse, really, for me. Um, but yeah, no, look, I mean, you know, you're talking there about Lampard, and I do agree with you. I think he has. I think when I seen him taking that Everton job, I was saying to myself, oh, Frank, you know, just hold out, you know, hold out for a different job because this Everton job, it's, it's near, well, it's not nearly as bad as United, but it's, it's certainly close to United in relation to just being a Pison chalice, you know, with, with the owners that they have. I know they're building a new stadium and all that. And they're looking to improve and everything, but. You know they've just they've sacked managers too frequently over the last few years, and you kind of have that leftover players that are still there from a number of different managers, and it's never a good thing, really.
0: I was actually kind of thinking the opposite. I was thinking that Lampard kind of could be jumping at that opportunity. I was surprised he even got a club of the kind of stature of everything. Like, look, everything have a big history. They've, you know, they are a big club, whatever way you want to look at. it. I didn't think he got the Chelsea job, kind of on his history of being with Chelsea he done an okay job at derby got him to the playoffs but the two previous years before lampard had taken over derby they were also in the playoffs he had three or four young lads on loan there from chelsea at the time also you know so he was getting handouts left right and center i just could be the maintenance of a good manager i just don't think he's a premier league manager anyway like so yeah. things have been crazy you know
1: yeah, well, we have a question here from from Borky in the chat, uh, and he says, "Who do you think is the best manager in the Premier League?"
0: Well, in the Premier League, this will sound biased, whatever, but I would think Jurgen Klopp for the simple fact. If you look at the team that he took over at Liverpool, and he's there what four or five years now, and people say, "Oh, he only won one league, he only won one Champions League, he was in two Champions Leagues." He won everything there was there that he could possibly win uh, that he was in. And if you see the first teams that he... I think Colo Torre and them were in there. The only person that was still there, I think, is, is it James Milner, Jordan Henderson?
1: Yeah, and I think Bobby
0: Firmino. Bobby Firmino. Like, you have to give credit there. He's, he has spent money, but he's also, like, sold. You know when they go on about, what is it, these net spends and all... Like Liverpool, do keep it in nice moderation, you know. But I know they're your biggest rivals, but like surely you couldn't be looking too far after him. I know Pep is up there as well. He's,
1: yeah, well, there's always that argument really with between Pep and Klopp, isn't there? The fact that Pep has always gone where the money is, really, and he's never done it on a tight shoestring budget before. Whereas and, and look, I know what you're saying there with Klopp as well. He has spent money. You know, he spent a lot of money on Van Dijk, on Alisson, you know, you know, but no, more, no more,
0: But no more than Chelsea has spent. No more than uh, any of the other top sides have spent. You know what I mean? Like, he's kind of yeah. like, he's got a lot more out of average, some average players than other people have out of their players. You know, like Man City let James Milner go five or six seasons ago and if you looked you'd probably say james Milner. not his career has been at liverpool
1: yeah that's yeah, exactly yeah well like if you're leaving man city like that when they're challenging for league titles you're thinking right james milner is going to go back to Leeds united here now or something but yeah like yeah. he just seems to go on and on and on you know but yeah look I'd, I'd probably as much as it kills me to say i would have to probably agree with you there with Klopp, you know in relation to best manager He's, and I think, I think what I'm so impressed about him is, is that and Liverpool in general and again this, this kills me to say it, but I think United can take a lot of and should take a lot of pointers from them is that when you get a manager in like Klopp you, obviously he plays a certain style of football and you get players that suit that certain style of football and look, I don't want to harp on about United too much because I'm depressed enough as it is, but United seem to be doing it the opposite way. They seem to be buying players and then trying to get a manager to coach them players rather than getting a manager and getting players that fit his way of playing. You know, and Ranić said it, you know, and, uh, uh, you know, lads that, that are listening to me and watching any of the stuff I do will know how big of a fan I was of him. But he hit the nail on the head, basically, with everything he said. And, he, and that's what he said. He said, you get... You decide what way you want to play the game, what style of football you want to play, and then you get players to suit that way, you know. Um let's see what well, as there's a couple of comments coming in here as well. Mickey Dunn says uh Klopp easily uh the best in the current era. Uh Irish Dad says pep for me. Uh United should have went all out to get him before he went for City, before he went to City. Um Mickey says the players at City um but the players at city still couldn't win the champions league. Go on Mickey, that's a shot by United fans are in. Um yeah, anyway, look, let's get into what we left to talk about. I suppose we'll spend a couple of minutes on the fantasy before we before we finish up and we have a head to head this week and it was actually me and you going head to head this week. Uh, I haven't checked it yet. I presume you've probably won. How did you get on this week anyway?
0: Yeah, if you went head to head, actual head size, you'd win hands down. But this head to head, I'm after battering you. <laughs> well,
1: how how's you going? Give me your pints, total. Actually, do you know? What? Give me what, what? Did you make any changes going into this? I made weekend? one change. Last I made week.
0: change. I made the change intelligently enough, just going on stupid errors I made last year. I took a gamble week one of bringing in Kane over Haaland. I regretted that big time when Kane blanks and Haaland scores, uh, Haaland scores two or whatever. Yeah. So when Haaland scored that second goal last week, I went and took Kane out for Haaland before the game week was even over. And when I went to bed that night and woke up the other day, Kane had dropped from 12.5 to 12.4 and Haaland had gone from 12.5 to 12.6. So there was 0.2 of a swing in the difference. So if I hadn't being a tactical genius there and then I would have missed out (laughs) and I just do think I know Kane scored yesterday look and then Haaland kind of blanks or he gets his five points with his assist but I just think from what I've seen I think in the long run like Haaland's going to get bags of chances like even that one Phil Foden should have squared that ball to him the other day and he would have had you know but he's just going to get so many chances and by the looks of things Kane like If Conte sorts out his tactics, I don't know if the three at the back necessarily suits him too much. They were a lot more attacking when they had the two, but they have players now that have given more squad depth and more options. Paris and that is ageing, but he's bringing experience with him, you know?
1: Yeah, and uh, I was going to ask you something there. What was I going to say? Me oh, and yeah oh, are yeah. Next um, here, to just... be honest. We're both and Liverpool yeah, yeah, what was your points totals? well so far obviously the liverpool game is on at the moment so far I've
0: 64 what... points Salah's is my captain he's playing and I have Trent Alexander-Arnold and he's playing and you have Trent playing and,
1: and you Luis have Luis Diaz. Diaz
0: playing so the, the only yeah. difference is, is is I have Salah you have Diaz I think I'm 3 points ahead
1: Yeah you have you you've have captain as well so you should you should ideally sort up of... did, did you did you bring in Jesus into your team eventually or is he in at all Jesus was in it from the start
0: That lad was only 8 million. That's a steal, you know. And just, sorry, a few more words on Jesus. When he was previously with City, he kind of always seemed to score when he started with City, but they never really kind of had that belief in him. And then they kind of shoved him out wide when Aguero was in the centre. But like, he's just seemed to have, after getting a new lease of life into him, you know, like he's kind of really bringing a lot of life to Arsenal. He's kind of after brightening him up, you know, they have that other lad in centre-back. Is it Saliba? How do you pronounce it? Yeah,
1: Saliba. Yeah, that's right. He
0: was on loan last season. He looked at player
1: in that first game. He's young, you know. Well, the feel good factor seems to be back at Arsenal, you'd have to say. I know, know.
0: I know it's early days, but look, look how early days it is for United, and it's the complete opposite end of the stick. You know, it's all depressed, and this is terrible. Whereas if he had two wins from two now, he'd be like, right, new manager in, two wins from two. We're yeah, here talking, we go. Second in the league with six points. I know it's only two games, but it's a bright start. You have to take the positives because when you're doing bad, you're taking the negatives, you know? So you have to ride that yeah. wave when you're there.
1: Well, again, as well, you do have to realize that it's a 38-game season as well. and There's a lot of football to play. Like, you look at Arsenal last year. They lost their first three games and you see where they finished up. You know what I mean? So... Look, I do think that there's a lot of improvements dude, that are needed at Manchester United. But again, look, it's a long term project. Now it might be a little bit longer than we thought after seeing them first two games. But, but yeah, I I agree with you in relation to Arsenal. You know, they're they, they certainly are looking good and, and looking strong. I just I I reserve judgment on whether they can do it over 38 a 38 game season. You think uh, they'll finish ahead of United? Oh, I, oh, Jesus Christ. Will I we mean, make
0: a bet, 50 euro, I'll have Arsenal, you have United.
1: Well, you why would I just, like, I'd be giving you 50 euro, like, you know what I mean? Oh, like, like Ars- your, oh, Arsenal will your, definitely finish ahead of United.
0: Go with your heart, not with your head.
1: I can't do that when 50 euro is on the line, you know what I mean? Because, like, Manchester still United in are I so...
0: I paid in. for my pod last week.
1: You're not getting paid, because I'm not getting paid. <laughs> I'll buy you a pint next weekend. Um, But yeah, look, look, it's a long season. Hopefully, Manchester United can get some uh, can get some signings in the door before the end of the transfer window. I do see that there's been reports at the moment. Let me see what's coming through here. Manchester United have reached a uh, a mutual fee agreement with Stuttgart for Sasa Kaladzic. His medical is planned for the weekend.
0: Sounds any thoughts
1: on him? Do you know any on him? No. No, I'd have, I'd have to do my research on him now, to be honest.
0: It's not, it's not a great time when you didn't hear him. But look, that could also, you know, all these big names bringing in. Like, I think Alvoro Morata would be an absolute disaster. That lad has the best agent in the world. I don't know how yeah. he does get the moves he does. I was reading yeah. the team before that they were saying that he, he's part of, like, some money laundering scheme. Do you know that, like, people are just washing money through his, like, Transfers or something
1: like he's Crystal Palace are gone one 0 up. Oh no! Zaha's after scoring. Oh no! Yeah, now there's there'll, there'll be a VAR check. It looked like a very close offside. Um, yeah, but the ref never called and the flag never went up, so yeah, they're one nil as it stands. Yeah, so Liverpool oh. could still only be one pint ahead of Manchester United going into the going into the yeah. game next week. Oh, he's on Yeah, he's clearly on side. That's one nil.
0: But you know who else, Jack, just there before we finish up, I meant to say a few words on him, was um who look absolutely brutal. And I'd say their manager, like kinda going on previous, like say previous contracts he had with teams and all, he kinda has this third year syndrome a bit. Rogers. This Leicester team is they've I think they signed a backup keeper. They've signed no one outfield. James Madison, uh Three of their players are linked with moves. Who is it? Madison and the centre half is linked with
1: Chelsea. Yeah, Fafana. And then there's another obviously Tielemans. Tielemans has been linked with Arsenal.
0: Three of their big biggest players are linked with moves and they've signed absolutely no one. Nobody. But see the problem there with
1: them as well, Ricey, is that the a lot of their big players, like Tielemans only has one year left on his contract. I think like I heard this morning that Vardy has been linked with United. You know what I mean? Now, come on. you know. Now, I do know that he only has one year left on his contract as well. They do have a few players in that situation. I think they're in big trouble. Yeah, I do Now, maybe not this this year. No, No, but I think the fact that they're not investing in the squad at the moment, given how light they are, I think it's a very slippery slope back to the championship that can happen over maybe a two- or three-year period if you don't invest properly now. You know what I mean? Um. But yeah Anyway um, Other than that Any final comments or thoughts You want to Let us know about um,
0: No, is there any more comments in there
1: uh, Let's see What people are saying here Ranić wanted him to Or warned him to stay in Stuttgart Says Mickey, I presume that's about Kaladzic um, Irish lad says Brilliant, Hadza had Zaha to score first Lovely, few bob there Mickey says, Leicester are going to be fighting relegation this year. If they don't get players in, they're going to struggle. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. So that looks. One
0: thing before I sign off is. You're
1: a dickhead. You're an absolute dickhead. Not only are you putting. The, the boot oh, and that, that numpty it. Paddy Murphy you're an absolute numpty so yeah oh I did something <laughs> last about that when I came across that
0: <laughs> anyway enjoyable chat thanks very much
1: yeah absolutely I appreciate it Racy. thanks everyone who's listened as well guys Uh United Community Podcast anyone that's listening back to it on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening please do give us a like or follow on a 5 star review uh, you can follow us on all social media platforms as well. YouTube, TikTok, Instagram, Twitter, or United Community Channel across all of them. Uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. Please like and subscribe and share. Again, Ricey, thanks, um, thanks for joining us tonight. Again, hopefully we can have you back on next week or whenever you're available again. Uh, really appreciate it. But yeah, thanks for listening, guys, and we'll see you next week. Take care.